This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Radio. Welcome, everybody. And we are just in time to join the locker room, and the locker room is split between high above Bridgeville and all the way back down in Phoenix because Max Starks is there, and I'm here. And it was really funny because when I last saw this young man, that would be you, Max. When I last saw you, you were heading off to the Valley of the Sun, and I was I was heading to, uh, okay, you can't hear me. Okay, so Max can't hear for whatever reason. Uh, but anyhow, and Jacob, our producer, has got to deal with that, of course, because, uh, you know, things get a little discombobulated every now and then because the last time I saw Max, we were – uh, at the hotel in Kansas City with all the weather reports coming in. And they were all about, you know, oh, boy, we got to change this, that, and the other. And before I knew it, ah, we were heading off, and I was thinking to myself, I should just go with Max. He's going back to Phoenix. I should just go with him, and I should just go hang out with my brother and his lovely wife, Stephanie. There you go. I go down to Phoenix, hang out there. Be there for a few days and not have to suffer the ramifications of trying to travel when there's a big northeaster, north, nor'easter, as they say, hitting the east coast and, and, and uh, parts unknown. And Gadzooks, man, I got to tell you what, it was a long day yesterday. I mean, we, uh, we started off at, I think we got to the airport at 6. Our first flight was delayed until 11 in the morning. Uh, and then it just kept going. I finally got home sometime uh, after 9 o'clock last night. But I can truly tell you, if one thing for sure, there is no doubt about that I missed the, the, the charters. You know, I mean, the charters, I've been flying charters as a broadcaster and as a player for over 30 years. And so now when you, <laughs> when you travel commercial, it's like, oh, this is a lot different. This is a lot harder. You know, I, I, I don't get it. So. Anyhow, as we are uh, efforting Max and about ready to uh, together here and 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 uh, have a show uh, because we got some gremlins in the line. So, but anyhow, the number is four one two nine one nine one three one six. This is the locker room. Wolf Starks and the Ninjas, and uh, I, you know, the whole thing about it is okay. What were your thoughts coming out of that game? My goodness, I know that uh, going into the game, I expected what we saw. In first quarter the first quarter and a half but then I did not expect okay hold on just a sec (laughs) are you there Max all right how are you my friend (laughs) now the problem is I oh I can hear you now All right, so means you're not coming over the airwaves, are you? No, not at all. Okay, so I'm I'm like talking to myself, and Max is actually talking to me, but nobody can hear it. All right, so we have Gremlin. Get your comrades together, will you? Say I've I've had enough of that. <laughs> hey, it quit on the season. It quit. <laughs> oh, oh! Don't even start down that road, Max. His comrades, his comrades quit on the season. Oh, my goodness. We're not going that way. Oh, indeed. Okay, so as how are we doing this now? All the people can hear is me talking 
to nobody, right? But I'm really talking to Max. Max is laughing hysterically because he knows that I sound like uh, the rain man right now, and I'm having issues talking to myself. <laughs> this, this is extremely unusual. Okay, so I'm just forge ahead. Max, let me know when your Conrex decides to quit having an attitude here and comes along. So, indeed, you know, I expected, truly expected what we saw in the first quarter and a half in, the, in, in essence. You know, we saw a defense that was riled up. We saw an offense that was, was trying to, to go with what it could, but it obviously was struggling. But that defense, there's a lot of pride there. There's a lot of guys who have huge pride uh, in, in their performance as a individual and in their performance as a group. And certainly I know three weeks ago how downcast they were, how bummed out they were, because nobody wants to be able to be manhandled like that. That's for sure. Nobody wants to have a representative defensive unit that goes out and surrenders 36 points to the KC Chiefs. That's a problem. That's a problem always. So you saw a defense that came out, and they were fired up, and they were ready to play. And they did a good job. They did a good job in containment. They did a good job in playing the run, basically. They did a good job in all areas, and it kept going back and forth. And I truly thought, okay, now we got something cooking here. You know, we, we've got a little bit of we got a little bit of gas going. Um, you know, there was there was pressure being put on the quarterback. Uh, one of the things I, I loved was T.J. Watt got after it. And, of course, we saw the scoop and score, which was absolutely a, a monstrous moment, and I thought was going to turn the tables, but certainly it didn't. And again, you know, in in, in final, uh, if you look at it, um, things fell apart in the latter part of the second quarter. And so much of it was the extreme pressure because the offense couldn't relieve the defense at all. You talk about complimentary football. Uh, one of the things we talked about before the game was the fact that the Steelers could not afford to slow roll their start through the first half. Uh, having one score now in eight first halves, I believe the last eight first halves, that's just not enough. There's just no way you can in any way, shape, or form start to play complementary football when you are simply putting the ball back to the opponents in their, in their, uh, in their acoustically uh, tsunami-like uh, version of a, a stadium. It's a loud stadium. And the fact that the Steelers did so well with it, you know, didn't have too many, if any, I don't even know if they had any pre-snap penalties for offsides, but... They did a good job early on in being able to be attuned to the silent count. You needed the silent count. Had to have the silent count. And we do have Max. I'm here. You're here. All right. Now, do I have to mute anything? Do I got to do you? Just okay. your Zoom. Okay. <laughs> oh, that, that hurt. That hurt, Max. The Zoom. Muting the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you know, every once in a while a gremlin, uh, you know, takes over the the uh, digital airwaves and makes it a little tough. But it was funny seeing you talk to yourself. I'm sure the fans were appreciative. But I'm here to let you know he was not talking to the zoo. It was me. I was here. And uh, I ju- you guys just couldn't hear me out there in locker room. And but uh, no, no, it was it, it, it was awkward. But we're back up and running. It was awkward. There's no doubt about it. When you're talking to, I'm talking to you, and nobody can hear you. It is like yeah. the Great Gazoo, you know. Yeah. If anybody remembers yeah. the Fred, Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble series when they brought in, you know that was when they really jumped the shark. 
Fred and Bernie. It was. You know, everything it, it else was. was good. Wilma and Betty, and then you brought along Bam Bam and Pebbles, you know. And, yeah, Dino, and everyone was good. You know, yeah. he's, uh, he's there all the time. Exactly. You know? But then you had to go and bring some Martian-type thing, the Great Kazoo. And then it, that really, that was like Fonzie jumping the shark. Yeah, Remember literally. That? It was, hello, dum-dums. <laughs> <laughs> you liked you that show, do... though, didn't you? Oh, I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I love the Flintstones, man. That, that was a great, I mean, Hanna-Barbera, I mean, that stuff, and, and especially since I lived in Orlando, right, Universal right. Studios. We had we had we had all of all of those kind of shows and access to different things that Hanna Barbera had done through the years. <clears> so it was cool as a as a kid who grew up on comics and cartoons and everything. Oh yeah, I, I was riding my wheelhouse. It was awesome. <laughs> you sound like my son Max. I'm sorry, CJ. <laughs> well, CJ and Max, both of them. Uh, they yeah. they they're very much in in, in life. They want to sit with you when we come down. In the off season, in into Phoenix, they said, "I want to, I want to meet Mr. Max." <laughs> there's a lot, well, there's a lot of kindred spirit there, but certainly, yeah, Max, I ask you something. You know, and, and what I was talking about earlier, I really expected the defense to ramp up. I really thought they would. They do a better job, and they did, they did. But you know what? You cannot keep punting the ball back to the KC Chiefs and not take any of the pressure off that defense. And finally, they got to him in the latter part of the the second quarter there. And it was, I mean, Trey Norwood was doing a, a, a terrific job early on, covering Kelsey, doing some of the uh, you know the sub uh, sub package work that he was doing. But he finally got left out there on one forty eight yarder with twenty two seconds left, and um, they, that's when it really that's boy things started going downhill. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it right the first quarter. Uh, stellar job by the defense, being able to just hold everything that the Chiefs were trying to do at bay. And then Travis Kelsey was quiet, and then in the second quarter, you know, halfway through that, he gets that that long drag route when when they get Robert Spillane and Travis Kelsey mashed up in man. Yep. And you give Travis Kelsey a two-way go, and you know Spillane, for all the things that he does and brings to the run game, it's just a little bit – Left to be desired when it comes to that pass coverage. Let me um, ask you: this. How many, how yeah. many, how many linebackers do you think are capable of covering Travis Kelsey, mano a mano? Three. <laughs> All right, name them. Uh, Lawrence Taylor. Okay. Uh, no, 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 no. I'll say this: I think Micah Parsons could probably cover Travis Kelsey, um, or at least give him a battle in the league right now. Yeah, yeah, give him a battle and get there. I think actually, when, when Devin had some responsibility with him. Devin did a pretty good job. Devin um, showed up with big him on speed wise. Yeah. yeah, but uh, um, but yeah, but I mean that there's that, not that, too, so. And my point is, there's not, not a lot too of many. humans. Yeah, there's yeah no, and you shouldn't be leaving him in man. You know what I'm saying? In a lot of those situations, it, there should be some type well, of well the bracket. twenty the the, the forty eight yarder that was with um, Trey Norwood. Trey Norwood. Yeah, Trey, and they were Trey running, was playing off coverage. Yeah, you know what was crazy was he he played some sort of almost like a Tampa too. They played the deep safety cover you had three and one with Tyreel and the Robinson to the left with Travis Kelsey and then you had uh was it Noah Gray to the right and tight end and they ran that yeah. far post and he slid right in behind and Terrell Edmonds went over the top rolled he rolled towards Tyreek who was streaking down the <laughs> when he streaks yeah. man he streaks you know yeah, and yeah, that no. just left he, uh Joe Hayden had the the uh the coverage on Blake uh on Noah Gray on a button hook, so it left that gap. And when he broke to that far post, man, wow, 
it was all over. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things that you know is just so tough. And what makes Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes, right? right? I mean, the one thing that we can say is that from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, past decision making became so much greater. And when you have a quarterback who doesn't have to push it anymore. Because that's what he was doing early on. That's what caused a lot of his interceptions. Right. He was trying to make the play happen. Right. And so it led to turnovers, led to tip passes to turnovers. But now he's like, I'm just going to play what they give me. Yeah. I'll throw the check down. I don't care because, I'll, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, Hank Stram, right? I'm, I'm incorporate that mantra in my mind. Right. Matriculate the football down the field. If we got to do it in 13 plays, we got to do it in 13 plays. Do you know, I don't need to have it. Do you remember the play drive. that he was talking about? No. 65 toss power trap. Yeah, once again, did not did not know. <laughs> but you know how I knew that? When we were How's sitting that? there, we were eating that uh, not-so-good uh, barbecued chicken pregame, right? <laughs> you and I were yes. sitting there, we're, we're perusing, we're talking football and this and that. I looked over, and there's a guy who's got the – there's a foundation called the 65 toss power trap, and it's Hank Stram. That's what he was talking about when he was talking about matriculating the you know down the field. So oh, forth. gosh. So it was – it was the 65 toss power. Yeah, something like that. So, anyhow, I just threw that out there just because it was funny. Man, great vision. I mean, yes, you, we couldn't focus on the flavor of, of <laughs> No, of the, it was uh, horrible. Meal. Oh, that chicken. The, uh, was, how can you have bad barbecued chicken. chicken in Kansas City? I don't know. It must have been vegan chicken. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. But the coleslaw and the uh, and the baked beans were oh, good. They and were delicious. They were yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, the chicken, you could keep that. Yeah. <laughs> So glad we had Jack Stacks the night before. I'm so <laughs> glad. Yes, we did. By the way, yes, as Reagan did step on, abused his, uh, our, our privileges there. Max, your your technology was tremendous as we had Dine and yeah. Dash, whatever you call that stuff. DoorDash. Oh, yeah. I don't we, know. yeah lo, had a little DoorDash. Dine and Dash. No, that's not yeah. what we did. Yeah, we did not Dine and Dash. No, we, okay. we, we paid for it. We paid for it. I just uh, realized what I so said. So let everybody know that. Uh, <laughs> Oops. We didn't, didn't stiff anybody with any bill. Um, no. But, uh, but I mean, you know, and that was the thing because weather conditions um, were terrible when we went in. They didn't have time to react in time to, to salt, the, salt the ground um, for the snow that was there. So, therefore, it was backed up. You couldn't really get anywhere. So, luckily, that brave and fearless door dasher yes. um, delivered like, like the U.S. mail through hail, snow, and sleet, and everything else. Exactly. So, no. We appreciated it. We enjoyed it greatly. <laughs> oh, boy, did we ever, man. Those burn ends were sensational, especially when you can, like, yeah. just dip them in a big, like, uh, you know, b- b- yeah. hunk or a big a va- bowl a of vat. Oh, a yeah, vat a vat. Of, a, yeah. A, a vat of barbecue sauce. Oh, Wolf did order... Wolf did order a vat of barbecue sauce with his, with, with his meal. He was like, yeah, Max, can you get me a side of sauce? I was like, all right, well, here, let me just hit the button here. Okay, it says, it says we got a vat of sauce uh, being delivered to Wolf. Oh, man, and it was worth it. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Oh, by the way, how was your trip back yesterday? Yeah, not as adventureful as yours, apparently. Uh, yeah, I oh, want to hear the details of this. Yeah, see, because I'm flying west, which yes. was away from that nor'easter storm, which that I should have gone swirling. With you. Yes, yeah, exactly. It was. It was. I, all I saw was blue and dark green on the radar. <laughs> I was like, 
I don't want to go to that. That 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 doesn't look appealing to me. I'm gonna go to the place where there's nothing. Uh, <laughs> just just like the little the little waves of, of the wind pattern. That, yes. I want to go to that thing. Yeah, do that. I'll take breezy. That thing. <laughs> I should have gone with you, man. It was a long day. This started off. Uh, we got. I think we got to the airport around six fifteen, something like that. And our yeah. our first leg of the trip was uh, delayed until eleven. Uh, you know, so we caught, we're sitting there in the airport for a good four or five hours, you know. And KC is not the airport that if using to get stranded. No. I don't want to sit in that airport. No. It is horrible. Yeah, it's not exactly the cat's meow, should we say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to yeah. Throw an old phrase up there. Did you meditate or just go back to sleep? I you mean, know, I, 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 I know did fall did. asleep a couple of times, you know. I looked like oh, some God. little guy in the corner nodding off, just, you know. <laughs> Speaking of, like, threw newspaper on you or threw any <laughs> at your feet, you're good. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, got, I got collections going, you know. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. It's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. And it's Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas in the locker room. I'm sorry, Jacob, what'd you say? Okay, yes, and we are waiting for Bob Labriola to join us in this segment. And so we are going to just move along here until we get labs. Because I'd love to hear his perspective of what just went down in KC. And certainly, um, he's always a guy that you just love to have. Uh, always with his perspective. It's, it's always unique and unusual. So, having said all that, um, Montrevious Adams, uh, who I think was, you know, he was a needed pickup. This is a guy that came along and, you know, he's got some, some uh, gaps in his game. But I'm telling you what, this guy is a gamer. In my mind, just yeah. watching him perform and everything like that. Um, you know, he's one of the few most tackles I'd say you might want to put on a few more LBs. You know what I mean? But he can yeah. run. He is. He plays with that level. He shoots his hands well. Uh, all those things that, you know, made it very interesting what he was doing. And at the same time, Montrevious says, he says, uh, uh, Max, he says, in my opinion, we, not that we really came apart, but. There were some missing pieces. And, you know, those missing started with Vince Williams when he retired so unexpectedly late in the offseason, buddy, because he was he's a needed guy. Yeah, no, he was, a, he was a needed piece that, you know, you don't realize you need him until you need him. <laughs> and, you know, that, that veteran experience was, was really important. And, yeah, that started the dominoes for really a lot of the rest of the things that transpired, um, you know, with the defensive issues and, and the rotations of guys. Exactly so. All right, we've been efforting, and we have the great Bob Labriola joining us from Steelers Digest and all things Steelers, our Steelers historian. Labs, thank you for joining us in this final Tuesday. And I'm I'm sorry. I, I mean, I'm bumming, man. It's the final Tuesday. Well, um, I'm sure that it's a sad day for some of us, and some some other among us might look at it as uh, getting paroled. <laughs> In other words, I've I've held you captive all season long, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I've been well. 
Well, instead of a hostage, I've been pretty much of a volunteer. Use my phone. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So one of the things we were just talking about, Lab, uh, missing pieces to this defense. And in my in my most humble opinion, it really started when Vince Williams uh, unexpectedly retired in the off season, so kind of close to training camp, and it, it it was like we never really replaced Vince. We never really got uh, our Vince, the the guy that we needed back. Um, that's you know that's that's a theory. Um, you know my my thing with Vince Williams and. You know, uh, a lot of respect for Vince Williams. He was, um, you know, he was a, a football player, and I mean that as a compliment, not just as a like a job description. I mean everything about it. He loved. He worked hard at it. Um, you know, he was serious. All of those good things. But Vince Williams was a liability in coverage. True. So, um, you know, all of the people, and I'm not referring to you specifically, but a lot of people who were, um, you know, what they need is Vince Williams to help them stop the run. The that is, when you put Vince Williams on the field, what if the offense calls a pass? Now what do you got? Well, yeah, I understand what you're saying because there's a give and take every time somebody moves a chess piece out in the field, whether you go 11 personnel, 12, that sort of thing. But my, my point I, I'm really making was I thought that there was an unraveling of the defense. And, uh, you know, when it started was with Vince retiring and then, of course, Steph to it. Then you got Tyson Alu-Alu. And the strength in the middle, the downhill bang, the step up when you had the down block by the guard to the, you know, the double team or what have you, um, that just did, was not the functionally part of that Steelers defense. And I understand about – his lack of being able to be in coverage, but at the same time, he also was one of the strengths in taking on lead backs, isos, the guards, those sorts of things. So there's a give and take that, you know, at the same time, I thought it was just one piece of the puzzle. Oh, there's no question. And um, But if, if I were to be asked, you know, what, I won't say most significant piece, but the thing that um, – right away that was missing were the, the guys that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, Stephon Tuitt and Tyson Alualu. And I always go back to this. When the Steelers acquired Joe Schobert in that trade on, in August, August 15th or whatever it was, one of the first things he said was, I'm really excited to be playing behind this defensive line. And my question always was, what do you think he thought of that October 1st? Mm. Um, because, you know, Schobert and Devin Bush and Robert Splane, uh, to a degree, they need, they need those big guys up front to take on, um, you know, uh, the, the blockers to keep them clean so that they can, you know, run sideline to sideline and make plays. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to argue or it's not even really a debate that Devin Bush didn't have the kind of season that you need from a guy that was number 10 overall to, to draft. Um, and, you know, the criticisms uh, of him, uh, including from ex-players, was, um, well, as soon as those guards got their hands on him, um, you know, they just obliterated him. Well, duh. You know, I mean, that's that you knew that. Um 
when you put them, when you put them on the scale for the first time, you know, the, the way the defense has to work, in my opinion, if everyone's doing their job, um, there, there have to be people to keep those guards from getting their hands on Devin Bush. And so um, as soon as that was lost and you're playing without two-thirds of your starting defensive line for you know, all but about eight minutes of the regular season, um, you know, uh, you're, you're at a distinct disadvantage. I mean, and I, I'm not here uh, to criticize Isaiah Loudermilk or Chris Wormley um, or Henry Mondo or those kind of people, but I do remember when the Steelers got back into the fifth round of the 2021 draft to pick Loudermilk, pretty much the consensus that, you know, everyone who talked about him was, well, this is a guy who's got good um, measurables. He's a big guy who can run, you know, develop him. You know, he can become a player. Well, then when you got into the middle of the season, if Isaiah Loudermilk was injured and couldn't play, it was a a significant uh, loss that day, you know, that week for that game. So, I mean, that shows you, it showed me anyway, uh, how far down the depth chart the Steelers had to go on their defensive line when a guy that you picked um, in May, you were kind of thinking of him as a, um, you know, a developmental guy, a guy that, you know, was going to be good for down the road, a guy for, you know, when Tyson Alualu, his career is over and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, even his latest training camp, uh, I I didn't know, and I don't think a lot of people in the Steelers knew either whether, you know, Louder Milk would need maybe some time on the practice squad, you know, see a guy you put on the 53 right away or whatever. And then by, you know, late October, November, he was a guy you had to have in the lineup. So um, my, my uh, focus would be if you're going to ask me what I think, what pieces – uh, the defense missed, I would say those big guys up front. No, you're absolutely right, Labs. I mean, <clears throat> there was there was no other group that was far decimated and played physical chairs more than the defensive line um, as far as trying to figure out the right rotation. But I think, you know, just across the board defensively, um, you know, like you said, not having stuff to it, losing Tyson Alawalu second game of the season, um, you know, and kind of that dark looming cloud and then of course Isaiah Bugs not really stepping into that role and having to go and get a guy off of the Saints P squad and Marcus Adams you know we went to far depths I mean and then right outside of that I think number two is outside backer right you know Melvin Ingram not working out you know hostages versus led into the conversation (laughs) um you know and losing Jameer Jones once you activate him and then sit him back down um, he's gone, and he's on another person's team, and then you, you bring in Derek Tuska. You trade for Taco Charlton. Like, all of these things kind of really mess with your front seven alignment, or I should say even the front five alignment, um, for a lot of, for a lack of better terms. Um, you know, but offensively, I mean, what did you see offensively um, with that unit by the time it rounded out to what the final amalgamation was? Right. Uh, it's a know, big it, word, it, Labs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, w- when you look at, you know, J.C. 
And now we're actually uh, kind of kind of unseating Kendrick Green at the center position. Um, John LeGlue stepping in when Dotson goes down and Hassenauer goes down and, you know, he is off the is off the board. And now we're on our fourth left guard. I mean, when you look at we ended up with the offensive line, A, are you surprised? And B, what was your assessment of the offensive line on this year? Um, below the line, uh, generally, I, I think is, is a fair uh, assessment. And there are a lot of reasons for below the line. You know, youth is part of it. Um, inexperience is part of it. Uh, you know, you guys and I have talked on this very segment about uh, the, the center position and you're, at, you're, you're not only putting a rookie in there, but you're putting in a rookie who is also making a position switch yeah. from being largely a guard through college to center in the NFL, and you're asking him um, to play the position for an offense that likes to use a lot of pre-snap motion, and every time the, the motion man crosses behind him, um, you know, who he's identifying and, you know, all that kind of good stuff may change. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it just didn't seem to me that uh, there was a lot of realistic um, application of what you actually had. You know, I mean, you could either um, – play with the, the group that you have, or you can try and play with the group that you want. And I thought that there was too much uh, planning and scheming for the group that you want instead of playing with yeah. the group that you have. And so, you know, to me, that that's just a bad, that's a bad start. And that doesn't ever, I mean, I don't know that there's any way to get around that. But then there were games like last Sunday night where, <clears throat> excuse me, if your receivers can't catch the ball or make the plays that they need to make, right. I mean, that to me is pretty much a fundamental um, part of the job. You know, catch the ball. You're a wide receiver, a professional wide receiver. You get paid to catch the ball. If you don't catch the ball or don't or whatever, um I, I, I don't know where you go with that either. So um, the, the, there were, I think that there were uh, there were problems uh, offense in my mind everywhere, everywhere. It started with the planning, um, play calling, execution of the plays, uh, and then just guys not doing the fundamental of the position that they were supposed to play and get paid and getting paid to play at times. And, um, you know, I, I, that unit needs some significant work in my opinion. And I don't even know where you could say, well, we're okay there. It's okay there. Um, if I had to, if you had to put a gun to my head and say, um, you know, where, where, where's the, where are the Steelers best, um, suited to go into 2022, uh, I'd have to, well, and, you know, running back is an obvious uh, place to go, mm. but that's nausea, and I don't think you have anything else. So that's that's not sufficient. He's fine, but you need more than one. So I would say tight end. Yeah, I thought Zach Gentry developed nicely as a kind of guy you can put on the end of the line of scrimmage, and he's represented there 
very much so as a blocker for whatever you want him, whoever you want him to block, be it um, edge guys, um, defensive ends, 280-pound defensive ends in a 4-3. Uh, he moves pretty good. He's um, he's good enough catching the ball. I mean, he's not um, Friermuth in terms of route running and that kind of stuff, but he goes out for the pass, he turns around, you throw him the ball, he catches it, which to me is for a tight end who gives you what he gives you blocking, that's that's acceptable receiving. And so him and Friermuth, I think, give the Steelers a nice um, nice combination there uh, of, of skills. And um, that would be one, that would be the position I would say they're good enough there. Um, you don't need, and Kevin Rader is a third guy. Uh, that's fine. So, but outside of that, every, everything uh, from, uh, as I said, the planning, the play calling, the scheming, the execution of the, the schemes, and then just being able to do the basic fundamental of the job you're paid to do. You know, Lebs, really, it was significant when you said uh, the offense that you think you have and the offense that you want to have between the two. That was a heck of a statement. And it really does kind of – I to me, there, there was such a, a – there was a lack of coherence in what the offense was trying to do throughout the season. You know, the natural evolution of the offense. You start in training camp. You start with the basics, the fundamentals. They work up. And then, you know, there was – it was like an inner uh, mixed message of things, you know, with the, the you know with all the motions, the shiny things pre and post snap, and then we moved on from that, and then you had different route combination trees that that uh, I don't know sometimes didn't look like the space was was well thought out, and then I, I shouldn't say well thought out, it was not performed accurately. You know, the fact of the matter, the players go out there. One of the things that uh, Deontay Johnson said, which kind of surprised me, though, but Deontay said in one of his interviews at the end that, hey, when it comes to the bottom line, the coaches, you know, we just do what the coaches say. So it's almost like an admission that this is not what we thought we were we were getting offensively. You know, it's just it just didn't happen. And I thought it was experiment. But uh, anyhow, we got to go to break, Labs. I want to thank you so very much. Uh, all off season or all season for coming to uh, enlighten us, uh, my friend. I appreciate you so very much. So thank you for all season long. Thanks, Lance. Well, you're, you guys are welcome, both you and and uh, don't kid yourselves. Uh, I use this to learn some things about the game and this team myself from you two. So um, it was fun, and uh, before you know it, we'll be back. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. at mini camp or whatever it is. Uh, doing this again, I hope so. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you Absolutely so very much. Laughs. You betcha. Thanks. All right, we're hey. going to go to break, and we'll be back with more with Wolfstar and Ninjas in the locker room. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Wolf starts in the Ninjas in the locker room. ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. Numbers 412-919-1316. Deontay Johnson said, at the end of the day, we do we just do as what the coaches tell us to do. Now, Max, I got to tell you something. Um, he goes on to say, all that we talked amongst each other about what we see out there, but we just, certain things weren't going our way. Certain play calls, we just weren't getting... That that what we wanted to get 
uh, the, to get the offense going. We can only do what we're told at the end of the day. I was a little bit surprised, you know, with, with uh, Deontay uh, just saying that because in a way it almost sounds like he's, you know, saying, hey, we just do what the coaches say. And and in and, and effect, yeah, okay, you're right, um, but just curious. Very curious, especially when if you're doing what the coaches say, I think catching the ball is also a very important part of that. Bingo. Uh, it's almost like you're trying to sidestep the blame. Uh, right. <laughs> but, I mean, but that, that, that was one of the glaring things. When you look at the first half, why didn't, you, why didn't you score points? Why didn't you keep drives alive? Well, third down it. conversions. Yeah. Third down conversions. And the football hit, hit the hands of receivers at different points. It did. They, they actually, the nose of the ball came and hands did this. Right. All this kind of. They, they touched at some point, but they did not haul the ball in. And, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, the receivers kind of having a case of the dropsies again when you needed them the most. Yes. And, and we thought the, 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 uh, the ghosts of the past had been, had been, had been cured. They've been exercised. Um, but they reared their ugly heads in this game in, uh, in very crucial moments where you needed that catch. Um, you needed that conversion to keep the chains moving, to give your defense a breath, um, to give them a spark. I mean, at, at some point, the defense gave the offense sparks throughout that first quarter and a half. And you were just like, offense, just give us something. Field position, send them deeper, you know, in a starting point, something. And the offense just kept sputtering and spinning and sputtering and spinning in that first half, and that was one of the things we talked about was that you had to get off to a fast start of somewhat. Absolutely. Or at least put points on the board. I don't care if they were field goals, but you had to you had to generate something to keep this game excitable, to keep the defense engaged and and encouraged by their efforts. But, it, you know, it, it, they were toiling in, through, it, it, you know, almost frivolously at, at one point. Where it's like, yeah, we're doing – heck, we even scored more points, you know, than the offense. And like, oh, give us something, guys. We're, you know, it makes makes us, make us play – make us progressive than T.J. Watt was already playing and Cam Hayward was playing and Minka. Uh, you, know, you know, make it to where, you know, we're starting to overwhelm the home team. But you saw that the, uh, the environment kind of got to the guys again and the receivers weren't coming up with those catches – they weren't fighting as much, and then you know, backs against the wall. You start making these catches in the second half, but where were they in the first half? That that's the tough part. So, you know, it, it's not all in one direction. The blame pie has a lot of slices, absolutely, to, pass, to, to serve to serve around. <clears throat> no question about it. And you know, I love Mike Tomlin's response when the the, the press queried him about, you know, maybe did did your receivers leave a little a few plays on the field? And he said, "Do you think?" You know, I mean, that was that was an ex, that was really a look at what he was thinking. You know, because yeah, there there is that issue, that problem, and it does rear its ugly head every now and then. I mean, you think about it. Before T.J. Watt did a scoop and score, there was another third down situation where it's control with uh, Deontay running straight down the field into what ultimately became double coverage, but he stopped running on the route, and the ball was laid out there and. That could have been disaster in and of itself, but he didn't see the ball. You know, I mean, he just literally, yeah. and he turned around and gave that open hand things like, what's going on? 
And you, you think at that point in time, this far into the season, you can't have communication breakdowns like that that could ultimately cost you a pick six or something of that nature. Uh, you know, and fortunately, you had to scoop and score. But again, you come back a little later on and, and you miss on a third and two. You drop the ball, like you said. The hands come up and the ball goes down. I mean, you can't have that if you want to have any sort of opportunity to be able to develop some sort of rhythm. If you can only go one, what was it, one for eight or one for six or something on third downs in that first half, um, you're, you're going to struggle and put your defense in extremely difficult position because you are facing an offensive weapon that is huge. Yeah, and it's different if you don't have – third downs to convert because you're you're cooking so much on first and second down right, right. well right. it's as well as you're like okay well our third down stats aren't great because we, we don't need them we don't need three downs <laughs> to make a new set of downs but no that was not the case and like you said very manageable third downs um at points in that first half that just weren't created that weren't converted yeah. to to help at least get a rhythm for the offense and that, that has to be a, tr- a true frustration. But I think, you know, and I think about this, Wolf, do you think it's also a lack of playoff experience Well, uh, with that offensive group? Because, yes, there's a wealth on one side, right? You got Ben setting setting team records uh, <laughs> for, play, for playoff right. production. And then on the other end, you have guys that, like, why is the season still going right now? Because... <laughs> I've never been this long in a football season. Exactly. Najee Harris is like, you know, we would have won the championship by now with how many (laughs) games we played. Uh, And I just did it last year, so I'm pretty well aware. I'm pretty sure I know how long that season goes, and this seems to be far too long. I'm supposed to be holding a trophy by now. Um, (laughs) so, So you have, like, those polar opposite of experience. And like you said, you have so many rookies that are key contributors on this offense that also precarious situation so I wonder how much playoff experience really really hurt those guys and not having more seasoned guys on that side of the ball to kind of help right the ship and kind of help quote-unquote herd the cats <laughs> herding cats is always difficult you know I mean yes uh that that can be it's like that can be like total neurosis you know trying to herd yeah. cats through a, a kennel full of uh you know crazy dogs <laughs> That one to keep everybody together. But the fact of the matter is, when you start dropping those footballs, you create this sense of panic if you're not skilled in the ability to self-talk. You know, one of the things I I, I try to, you know, when we try to talk to the folks about, you know, what it's like behind the helmet, you know, the view behind the face mask, as Mike Tomlin says, you know, the fact of the matter is, when things start to go wrong, there is a sense of panic that can pervade and and kind of rule your mind if you don't know how to shut down the negative sort of aspects of that. You can be overwhelmed by it, you know, and one of the things you're talking about, I think playoff experience comes down to off that that self-negativity that occurs when things start going bad and being able to right the ship. That's all about maintaining composure, you know, and that that sort of thing that for young guys, it's extremely difficult. It's, It's hard for old guys. You know, I mean, you got to make yeah. sure that you are impervious to that sort of thing as you grow older, and you do by experience. But that's what I'm talking about so much. When we talk about playoff experience, the intensity for long with a one and done type of arrangement there when you got the playoffs. But certainly, you know, the fact that 
that raises all the stakes. And when things start to go wrong, being able to control your thoughts and your mind so you don't constantly create for yourself um, you know, bad plays that you keep thinking about the one just happened and then all of a sudden you're doing it again. Well, positive engagement, right, of thoughts. That, that's really what There's, it comes down uh, Now to. it's a big word. There we go, positive engagement <laughs> that, of thoughts. Okay, yeah, that because, works. Because you can, you can talk yourself into and out of a lot of things, right, in, in yep. your head. And so I think that's where you, you have to have that mental training. And, and, and here's the thing. It's not something that you can just come up with on your own. You still have to have assistance. You still have to have to talk to somebody to understand how to frame your mind. I remember I had to do that at one point in my career. Right. And, and, it, 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 and it unlocked something differently on how I approach things and allowed you to have kind of that short-term memory loss in a good way where you don't let the last play bleed into the next play. And that's what young guys have to develop. And I think, you know, guys have to really take a deeper dive to make sure that you're not using negative terminology towards yourself inside your head, you know, that you're using positive reinforcements or being able to wash those things off of you and move forward because it's like, no, the the, the deal is still the deal. The assignment is still the assignment. The job is still the job. I This was just a momentary hiccup. I'm still on the road. And that's right. one of the things you can't let it derail you off the road, and then you spiral into negativity of of, of you know a bad double talk inside of your head. Yeah, no doubt it. You don't want to be inside my head when I'm double talking negatively. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back one or, more, <laughs> or on radio for the first segment. <laughs> yeah, when I'm talking all by myself. <laughs> yeah. That's that was a look into the mind of Craig Wolfley. Ooh, that that's not yeah. that's not pretty. I'm back with more of the second hour of in the locker room with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas after this.